0: This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. So the most important thing from, from, from my perspective is to protect the Second Amendment. And what's going on right now, what's going on right now in Congress, in the Senate, with a weak Republican leadership in, in both the House and the Senate, is that there seems to be some, I don't know, some some weakening on the Republican side. I don't want to see red flag laws. Yeah, I want to see the schools hardened. I want to see more precautions taken. But you, as an American citizen, really need to understand how important it is to have the right to own and bear arms. That's critical. That's absolutely critical to the, to the survival of this country to our freedoms. Trousers and motorcycle boots and a black leather jacket with his name on the back. He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Right Radio. His name is New York Mike and welcome to the show. This is Roll Right Radio. I'm New York Mike. How are you guys doing out there? Have you missed me? Yeah, it's been a rough week. I got back. I hope everybody listened to the last podcast. I thought it was fantastic. It was I usually do a lot of show prep, which I've been doing for the last week, for every podcast. Every once in a while. It's just spontaneous. I haven't had a lot of guests. I'm going to. I plan on doing that in the future. And half the reason why is that it takes a lot of a lot less show prep, a lot less time. Because you're going to get someone on the line, and they're going to have a lot of input. You're going to have some conversation, and you're going to talk about things, and hopefully they get interesting. So... The, the magic of the last podcast, if you, have, if you haven't listened to it, try to get it. It's uh, myself, Robert Patrick, and my friend Mark Navat. Mark Navat's awesome guy. Everybody knows Robert Patrick. Of course, Robert, my road dog buddy, been riding together for over 30 years. The last 16 years, Robert has ridden with me. Well, we've ridden across the country so many times. But every single year, we've ridden to Washington, D.C. on Memorial Day. And it's been terrific. This year was quite amazing. Just, just I mean, I'm going to talk more about that in this podcast and more podcasts to come because it, it was that amazing. So the spontaneity, and maybe it wasn't quite spontaneous because as we rode back from Washington and of course riding to Washington was such a rush. By the way, it was Rusty and his son Dewey rode with us, both on Pan-Americans, and Robert, myself, and Mark, the bot. So there were five of us rushing to get to Washington on time, riding through the rain, the worst worst of it, in the dark. It was horrible. I got to talk more about it, but I won't right now. But the point is, the coming back, it was, we were feeding off, at least it was just Robert, Mark, and I, Rusty and Dewey, took off, and came back. And they they were great. They were great to ride with. It's the second time that Rusty had come with us. He came with us many years back. We'll talk more about that, too. (laughs) it was cool that he brought his son along. Dewey was great. But then coming back, Mark being a a veteran and having some real wartime experience, a real heavy-duty combat veteran, combat controller, the CCT that almost the very, very top of the food chain, <laughs> except for the, uh, the PJs, who are just the most phenomenal people. Don't let me get off track. <laughs> but, and Robert has been so affected by, I mean, his patriotism has no bounds. I don't want to say it was, it was caused from when he did the unit, but I, I think that his program for him, was something that just let it go, man. Oh, my God. Things had to be there. I mean, he talks about his, his grandfather, who was a colonel in the Army, who actually died at Fort Bragg. Oh, my God. The stories about his granddad, the pictures of him at Fort Bragg and what he did in World War Two, And I think it all came out, playing that colonel in the unit. And then when he came back from Afghanistan, I talked about that. So maybe not having been... In a war, but being in a war zone, which he was in Afghanistan and maybe in Iraq. Having this weekend's experience, and again, I've done this 39 years, 16 years with Robert. This is the second time that Mark has ridden with me the Washington for Rolling Thunder and Rolling to Remember. It just hit us. It hit us hard. We left on Tuesday, but I think that Monday night... Coming back from Arlington Cemetery, we were talking and talking, and then before we got back, we hung around the Lincoln Memorial and all the people, it was so great, it was wonderful that all these people were there because, you know, we were there in 2000, it was in 1920, when nobody was there, it was empty. And Robert and I went, we rode there, Steve Crouch rode with us. It was empty. It was harrowing. That's the word I can think of. It, it's just, it still haunts me. But this time we, we left Arlington. It was late, it was dark. Arlington was just the most heart wrenching experience of the whole thing, although, well, there was a lot. But then we sit down at the Lincoln Memorial and Mark Nevada after his military career, which he still still is active doing things, but he had twenty three years as a school teacher, sixth grade, third grade, whatever, you know, all of that. Not, not whatever, but all of that in Riverside, and he's also a college professor as well. So he's identifying these school groups and he's pointing to the kids and to the teachers as they walk by with their classes, saying, "Hi, is that the?" fifth grade right you just got it was it was kind of funny he was able to identify all these kids he he kind of sensed it but then it, having conversations with them now i i was going to do it for this podcast but i'm not i'm going to do it next podcast hopefully i want to play some of the audio they stopped and you know everybody they were looking for a vietnam vet they wanted to know about vietnam they were there yes We're at the Lincoln Memorial because that's right adjacent to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall. And so these kids, their school class trips were very focused, it seemed to me anyway, on the Vietnam War. We were looking for Vietnam vet and I was the candidate, (laughs) there I was. And uh, of course, Mark volunteering me. So the teachers asked me to say something to the kids. There were two groups that I spoke to, and I I don't think they were too long. I tend to get along with it, I know. But everybody was appreciative of it. I haven't heard it played back myself, but I'm going to take a chance and say it was good and, and worth playing, and I'm going to at the next podcast. But for this podcast, I just want to say how wonderful it was to be able to address these kids, to see that they were at the wall, that they were learning about the sacrifices made by these veterans in Vietnam, in that war. I don't want to sound like I'm always whining and complaining and talking, but we were treated so disgustingly. And I don't want to say in comparison to the World War II vet. I, I want to say this. When they call any generation better than any other generation, I just think that's horrible. And... When they're talking about the sacrifices of those in World War II, are they any different than the sacrifices of those in World War I, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, 1812, any of the wars that we've ever had, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan? When a human being, when an American is patriotic enough. Now, of course, the thing about, I guess, the last half of Vietnam because I don't know what year it was that they stopped the draft, but certainly ever since, it's an all-volunteer army. So these are American citizens who could go on to college. They don't have to serve in the military. They could go on and have a a career. They can get jobs. They can have lives. They don't have to serve, but they do. They volunteer. I think that's something that we need to talk about more. We need to focus more on the fact that if we're going to continue this way, We want to make sure that we don't treat our veterans the way we, Vietnam veterans, would treat it. And so we want to treat veterans with dignity, with respect. We want to say that, listen, you serve this country. You sign up for, I don't know if the Army is still three years, the Marine Corps is four years, the Navy is four years, the Air Force is four years. And so you could spend four years or you could spend a career but either way, you're going to be treated with, with a certain amount of dignity and respect for the rest of your life. And we want to let those people know that we're going to appreciate that they gave up those four years. I, I'll tell you something else. Again, not to go off track, but I think it's it's important because we're talking about Memorial Day. When someone joins the military, they fight for the freedom of everybody in the country, but they give up their freedoms to do that. Because when you're in the military, when you're, when you're a civilian... You are innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. You're innocent until proven guilty. When you're in the military, you are guilty until proven innocent. That's the UCMJ, okay? That's the, that's the military code of justice. So you've also put yourself in a situation where you could be the brightest person with the most education or the best instincts or the best leadership qualities, but if you are, if you have less time in grade, in other words, you reach a point, you get to be, oh, uh, you know, I don't know, an he's three or five or six, and somebody else who's less qualified but has more time in that grade has a higher level and is your boss. They tell you what to do. They tell you that's the hill you're going to die on, and you have to listen. So, there's more to it than that, but just take those things alone and think about it and say, "Hey, you see a veteran. Thank him or her because they they've given up a lot and make sure that what we do and and treating these veterans so it was important for me, for a lot of reasons to be there and talk to these kids so and and then mark and and Robert and I had some some conversations about that. we went on. And and had dinner. That was Monday night. And then yeah, that was Monday night. And then we left on Tuesday. Had kind of an easy day. We we rode to Cleveland, and spent uh, that night and the next day in Cleveland. Gave us a lot of time, a lot of time to reflect on everything that we had been through for the last week. The riding, the being in Washington, going to the the Taps event, going to to Rolling to Remember. Going. I mean everything. And so. These conversations were the show prep. The only thing they weren't, they they weren't wrote, written down. They were the show prep. And each day, we talked about doing podcasts. <laughs> we were all saying, as we, we would have these conversations, we'd lay back, smoke cigars, get something to eat, smoke a cigar back at the hotel, talk, and, and just talk. Some of it was venting, some of it was just talking about what we've gone through some of the things we've seen and experienced the people we met and the gold star families Uh, it was just on and on and each time we say okay you know what let's do this tomorrow let's do this tomorrow and then finally because the ride got to be a little hairy (laughs) after Cleveland yeah (laughs) we went to Nashville visited Robert's sister brother-in-law and and uh, his niece had a great time over there. And again, we were with people and we were talking with them. His sister and brother-in-law, we, they, they were so gracious at the house. By the way, we also got our bike service at uh, Bubba Boswell's. What, what was the name of that? The Harley dealership in Nashville? Well, it's Bubba Boswell's. Uh, Ring of Fire, I think it was. Ring of Fire Harley Davidson. Those guys were great. So fantastic. And we got to talking to them, to the GM. And it was cool to be there as well. Talking about rolling to remember, talking about what we've been through and there was a four or five veterans there and the ones who weren't veterans treated us so great because we were. It it was it was terrific. And anyway we went back to Robert's sister and brother in law's house and Mark went out and shopped with, <laughs> with Sherry. <laughs> Robert's sister sherry and got a bunch of food and came back and we cooked it grilled it out it was great and then his his brother-in-law john just a great guy to talk to have a great conversation with we kept on saying you know what we're gonna have to do a podcast and talk about this stuff so on and on from there we went to denver it was just interesting That the last night, it was in Denver, because we we, we couldn't do it before. We tried. We wanted to. We get to Denver, and it was where Mark was going to trail off, because he goes back up to Washington State. And we said, look, we're going to have to do it tonight. So the the three of us got some food, came back, lit up cigars around this um, fire pit. That was great. And... We, we did this podcast and, and listen to it. Talk, talk about what we're talking about. Like it, don't like it, whatever. I, I, think, I think it's important. I, I think that what we came up with are things I'm, I'm seeing. I just looked at Oliver North's new book and um, I, 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 I've just been trying to get a, a hold of Pete... Hegseth's new book, The Battle for America for the American Mind, The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. I mean, I, I've always really liked Pete Hegseth, one of my favorite guys on Fox News. He was president of the, if I remember at right, the Af- Iraq and Afghanistan's Veterans Association. And he made a lot of appearances on Fox News. In that capacity, I'm going back, I don't know, 10 years. And then somehow he got onto a job and now he's one of the major hosts, does a great job. I I know he's written at least one or two other books. And this one, this is a, a must read for me because I've been saying this for years and years. Now he's gone way back. He's talking about over a hundred years. He's saying uprooting a century of miseducation. And I think he's uncovered a lot of things here that are going on. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, <laughs> getting, getting back to where we are right now, I want to talk more about this ride. I want to talk more about Rolling to Remember, and I will, but maybe just about a, somewhat whatever in in each of the next few podcasts because there's so much more to talk about we have to talk about the january 6th so-called hearings i mean it's lies and distortions and and i can speak from real experience real world experience being there now I've, i've talked about this on Past co- podcast, I talked about this when I was there. I talked about it when I got back. I've talked about it since. And it's amazing to me the distortion, the lies and the distortion that has come about. At the same time, I want to say something. I'm, I, I keep on I, I'm going off script here. But I, I do want to say something about Republican leadership. You've got, what, eight, nine people on this committee, two of them? Liz Cheney and uh, what's-his-name, the, the other Trump hater? It, it's, that's it? Now, that is not a hearing. A hearing is when all sides are heard, when everybody has a say, when you can listen to people speaking pro and con, everybody gets a chance. So w- when you have that, you try to find people from the left, people from the right. Well, they got every single person on that committee is a Trump hater, okay? It's established, each and every one of those people, they did not get one person on the other side. And I'll put that right on Republican leadership. How do you talk about Kevin McCarthy in terms of being the next Speaker of the House if we win back the House. I think we will. But Kevin McCarthy, really? Well, what do we have? Th- 13 Republicans v- in the House vote for the, um, uh, the which are uh, spending a, a trillion and $200 million billion on infrastructure? When he knew, knew that 9% of that money, less than 10%, was actually going towards infrastructure. He knew it. And yet, he allowed that. What kind of leadership is that? And now he lets this committee be formed, and so they can call themselves "quote unquote" nonpartisan, and they're not. Oh, okay. You're going to tell me? Well, Kissinger, uh, Kissinger, or whatever, Adam Kissinger, and uh, Liz Cheney are Republicans. Well, they may be Republicans in name only. There's a name for that, isn't there? <laughs> but but they're Trump haters. And you're not going to get truth out of that. Why couldn't the leadership of the Republican Party make sure that, that that committee had at least four out of the nine members, at least, were were people who were going to defend our side? Now, what does defending our side mean? That there wasn't a riot? There wasn't an insurrection, if you want to call it that? that they, no. But that... It wasn't an insurrection to take over America. It was a protest, and there were people who were part of that who committed criminal acts. They were. They broke into things. They broke things. They destroyed things. But did they really break into the Capitol? Was it? Was it, Why? And why was it? I don't want to say necessary to break into the Capitol. When you saw the pictures, not in the hearing, not in that slick production they call a hearing. It was a made-for-TV documentary made by the left, made by the Democrat body. And and that's all it was. It was not a hearing, not even close to being a hearing, okay? But there, we've all, you haven't, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, but I've seen plenty of Plenty of film, plenty of, you know, clips showing that they were basically being waved in. That the doors were being held open by, I don't know, by the Secret Service, the cops, the FBI, I don't know who's holding it open. Was being held open. And they were being waved in. And some of them were just waving, you know, walking into the Capitol. Oh, my God, this is great. We got their cell phones out. They didn't destroy anything. Some people did and... They, they deserve to pay a price. It's, it's, vandalism is wrong. And it's wrong, especially in the Capitol, the United States of America. When you go visit Washington and you, and you go into the Capitol, what's wrong with that? And there were plenty of people who just did that. So you've got to differentiate. You also have the famous name, Ray Epps. Ray Epps, he wasn't there. And by the way, we know that Trump authorized 20,000. National Guards. We know because I was there on Monday and on Monday, which I, yeah, it was the fifth (laughs) Monday, the Capitol was basically cordoned off. We couldn't get through. And my partner in crime, I say that facetiously, Tony Rubo, it's a native. He works downtown. He knows the area. He's been in that area all his life. He knows every street, every alley, every whatever. And we could not get through. And and we're talking about early in the morning. So they knew what was coming. They had intelligence. They understood. And when we did get to park a mile away from Shelley's, where we had to walk down to, and we did walk down to Shelley's. And 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 we got there and hung out. There was no question. There were people walking all over the streets with signs. This, the election was stolen. They knew that people were going to be there because there was a big event planned. Planned. At Ellipse Park on January 6th. Okay? Because that's the day the Congress was supposed to, you know, say that the election is certified. They're going to certify the election. And we were saying, Trump was saying, and 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 i don't know how many other people how many senators or members of congress were saying it should not be certified because of all these reasons now i also have been led to believe over these years the last couple of years that the bush election not not 2000 with the hanging chairs 2004 <laughs> was contested the same way by the left. The next election contested the same way. The next, other elections contested the same way. And we know what happened with the Trump election of 2016. We know what happened. The, you know, it was not only contested, but they, they cried foul, Russiagate. They created this investigation, we all know that. So these things happen. And we were doing the same thing, except we were doing it overtly, not covertly. We were doing it out in the open. We were protesting early in the morning on July, January sixth, before seven thirty. Sometimes we we left the hotel. Tony picked me up a little after six. We stopped, we got gas and some coffee and boom with the boom. We parked the car, we walked a mile, we got there. It was before 7.30 and the place was already packed, jam-packed. And we got in there and we stayed till the end of Trump's speech. Not because we wanted to, because when Trump was speaking, then we were in the park, in the lips spot. And I'm listening to Trump's speech and I'm saying, oh, I love Trump, I, I, he's been... His speeches have mostly been pretty inspirational. This one was not good. I didn't like it one bit. And I said, Tony, get it. let's get out of here. And we couldn't. The crowd was too thick. It wasn't happening. When well, we got out there and tried to leave while Trump was speaking. We tried to leave. I'm looking at Tony. I'm not a small guy. And I'm not a feeble guy by any stretch. And Tony's a big guy. And we're trying to get through the crowd, and we cannot. And I said, this is wrong. And then a family with their daughter, about 11 or 12 years old, who was having a medical problem, was trying to get through the crowd, and we're trying to make room for her, and we couldn't. And I said, this is a trap. This, there's no medical here. There is There not only are not there ambulance, there's no medical services. There's no place to go. There's no, there's no fire here. There's no ingress and egress. There's nothing. This is wrong, this whole, and I knew then that something was amiss. So walking out and getting out, as we started to go to the Capitol, I got a phone call from my friend Mike Warnock, who's a retired cop, police Authority PD, he's there with his wife and daughter, and he calls and he says, hey, Mike, if you going to the Capitol? Because he got right to the Capitol. They came down in buses from New York. Okay, my other friend Barr, I'm sorry, Mike Warner came with buses from New Jersey. Barr came in buses, seven buses from New York. And they went straight to the Capitol. And first, Mike called me and said, Mike, just go back. It's a mess. The, the cops have not set up a perimeter. I don't know what's going on. They're breaching the Capitol. I don't like it. And I looked at Tony. I said, let's get out of here. We went to Shelley's. And I saw Barr, and he's with a whole bunch of people that he came with on, on bus loads. And, and we agreed, something's going on, something's wrong. We didn't know what. We didn't know what the Capitol looked like. Because I, I was forewarned. Why go down there? Let's get something to eat. We've been standing in the Lips Park since before 7.30 in the morning. It's now 1.30 in the afternoon. So we get to Shelly. I get a phone call. From a friend of mine from Milwaukee, Christian Walters calls and says, Mike, you got to tell them to stop. I go, Christian, I, I stop what? What are you talking about? Then we heard there's a uh, shooter. There's a shooter at the Capitol. Oh, my God, what's going on? So we're hearing these things. We're right there. But we don't know what's going on at the Capitol. We're right down the street. But we don't, we're not there. We're not in the Capitol. We didn't decide to go in the Capitol. There were huge amounts of people in Lips Park. I want to say hundreds of thousands. If you told me a million, I, I would not say you're exaggerating. So, I mean, yeah, you're never going to hear it from the press because they don't want to make, make it sound like that many people supported Trump. But we did. And we supported not only Trump, we supported the fact, the idea, that this election was stolen was rigged was fixed was wrong, and I still feel that way, and so does almost everybody else that I ever spoke to I don't care what what Bill Barr says or what anybody else says. could you prove it in court? It's hard to prove a crime you know detectives go out and 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 get evidence and do this and do that and and they're still they're still collecting all the evidence from. What, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Arizona and Nevada? And so they this was professional. Including Mark Zuckerberg giving what four hundred and fifty million dollars to, you know, rig an election, whatever it was that they I mean, okay, they stopped counting at ten o'clock at night with Trump way ahead everywhere. And then at five o'clock in the morning, miraculously, hundreds of thousands of <laughs> I mean, come on, there's something that was wrong. Now, look, it didn't, didn't happen. I think part of why it didn't happen is probably because of this horrendous protest that turned into riots, if you want to call it that, not in comparison, by the way, to the George Floyd riots. No, those are real, real riots, but these are pretty bad, pretty bad because it was at the Capitol, mostly. It, it it didn't it didn't work out because the stupidity of going in and disrupting the political process that might have delayed the transition while the investigation was taking place we'll never know but at least to the point where some more things would have gotten exposed what did get exposed the fact that nothing was done to prevent the the huge protest that they knew was coming to turn into the riot that it did nothing was done to prevent that as a matter of fact it's shocking to me that there wasn't a lot more damage done at Ellipse park so that's that's what's going on I get back and I I don't want to I don't want to say that's the most important thing I don't know what the most important thing is we were coming back and, of course, that tragedy at Uvalde, Texas, 19 kids and two teachers murdered. And so that's horrible. And protecting kids in schools, hardening the classrooms, hardening the schools, making it difficult, if not impossible, for, for assassins, these criminals, these just demented people to get in and do the damage they they do. That's important. It's also important to protect the Second Amendment, which is under attack. And every time there's a tragedy like Uvalde, a tragedy like, you know, the, the Topps Grocery Store in Buffalo, horrible tragedies, two things, two things come up. The first one is they blame it on the, the gun. The gun killed these people. The gun, no, it was, it was the murderer, the criminal. But then the other thing is... It's always white supremacy. Yeah, white supremacy. And, and so the most important thing from, from, from my perspective is to protect the Second Amendment. And what's going on right now, what's going on right now in Congress, in the Senate, with a weak Republican leadership in, in both the House and the Senate, is that there seems to be some, I don't know, some, some weakening on the Republican side. I don't want to see red flag laws. Yeah, I want to see the schools hardened. I want to see more precautions taken. But you as an American citizen really need to understand how important it is to have the right to own and bear arms. That's critical. That's absolutely critical to the to the survival of this country to our freedoms. So if you if you don't understand that, you know, think about it before you jump to an emotional decision. Think about it. Read about it. You know, I I think that that some somewhere somehow I I have talked about the second amendment so much that I um I, I I I do I do want to spend a minute making sure I communicate that this Second Amendment that we all you know Second Amendment it's easy to talk about Second Amendment but it, the 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 fact is that that Second Amendment is be maybe, maybe the real foundation. For all of our rights in this country, there was a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say discussion, I don't know what it was, I wasn't there. But when the Constitution was being argued, discussed, negotiated, a lot of it was about states' rights. That was a big deal. And the individual states that had everybody had the right to bear arms you 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 had to have it for all these reasons you know protection from the elements the animals the savages the 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 thieves the murderers everything out there protecting your family from every criminal element there was also you know because people hunted for their food and in some places around the country it was, you know, that was more important than in other places. But at that time, it was, it was important. The, 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 the essence of life, being able to feed, your, feed you and your family, was just so basic that it, it was just, how could you not have the ability to keep and bear arms? So you have to understand, the most important reason was that we had just come through a revolution where the British soldiers had arms and were able to walk into the homes of any, what was a subject, not a citizen, a subject of the King of England and take over their home, take over anything. They, they were, And so we win the Revolutionary War and one of the things that we wanted to make sure would never happen again is that. So, and, and and what what was the revolution? What what was it? Was it was there an American army? No, you. It was an, a militia. A militia. What is a militia? It's the citizens, or at that time the wannabe citizens. Once the Declaration of Independence was announced. July 4th 1776 boom we immediately became citizens of, of this great country the United States so to have to, to have this second amendment the first place you need to understand the militia isn't you know some reserve military organization you the American citizen, you are the militia. You that, that that militia is is the American citizen armed and ready to take on any enemy any enemy foreign or domestic that decides to, 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 to come in and take take over your home, your business, your country. So who is this well-regulated... You know, I every once in a while I'll, I'll talk to some left-wing friend of mine. And uh, here or there. And they'll always say, well, it's for the militia. It's not for you to have it. Well, we are the militia. So let's understand the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Pretty simple. Right to the point. How many hours do you think they spent coming up with that amendment? A well-regulated militia being as necessary. They didn't say that food on the table being necessary, the people n- need to be able to keep and bear arms so they can go hunting. They didn't say that because you, uh, you know, your life may in dan- be in danger, and your family may be threatened by criminals or animals, you know, bears or whatever. You 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 need to be able to keep bear arms. No. They said a well-regulated militia. A well-regulated militia. Being necessary. To the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, a well-regulated militia. Yes, some people hunt. Yes, there's absolutely, you have the right to keep and bear arms, so you have the right to defend yourself. Absolutely. But the reason for that Second Amendment is because we, you, are the militia. And... I, are we well well regulated? That's up to us. We need to be. We need to. We need to. You know, there needs to be a. What's the word? That you know today they use the word when we're talking about social media and all. A thread, a thread that runs through every citizen. There really should be. There really should be more. If you read into the Second Amendment, there really should be more of a. Uh, organized kind of a, you know, a militia that's maybe not, you know, you don't need a uniform. I don't think there was a uniform, a, a militia uniform during the revolution. <laughs> but we we do need that, and I can go on and on, and maybe maybe I should maybe I should just spend a lot more time that. It's not about hunting. It's not about self-defense. It's about keeping the state free. That, that's, that's exactly what it's about. Having the right, the ability, the responsibility to keep and bear arms. So no government or any other enemy can take away our freedom. Let's talk about those rights. You know, those rights given to us by our creator, not by a king, by our creator. So that if if I feel you know, in my pursuit of happiness, I'm doing this or I'm doing, I got to be able to defend that right. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean that a person can just pick up his or her arms and, you know, go to the Capitol and say, well, I want to, I'm defending my right to... You know, to whatever they want to say it is to be a witch. <laughs> I don't know to be a, 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 a be a member of a cartel, to be a gang member, and a whatever. No, it's not. So let's try to understand why it says a well-regulated militia. But the important part of the Second Amendment is that that. The right for, for, for each individual, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I think the part that we have to understand better might be the definition of a militia. What is it? What, what responsibility do we have to each other? Because it's a responsibility. I think every every citizen should be well-trained and competent in in, in, in bearing arms. I I think it should be, I, I mean, I, I don't think uh, uh, in America we should make it mandatory, but I think we should make it something that is, you know, I mean, we don't make it mandatory to serve in the military. So why would we make it mandatory to serve in the militia? But, but I think it's it, it's people should be, maybe the government should say, hey w- when you get to be six years old, some sort of a, whatever it is, you become a Boy Scout or a Cub Scout or a Girl Scout or a Brownie or whatever. That That's part of the training. Part of growing up. Part of being an American. Learning safety. Weapon safety. How to handle a gun. How to handle a pistol. How to handle a rifle. Maybe these are things that we should be not just more familiar with maybe these are things that we should be more we should spend time more time indoctrinating is that the right word our, our citizenry so that more people look at America and say, Whoo, oh, you better not, you better not try to invade that country Man, if if they step up to defend themselves, they not, they're not calling for the national guard. they're all there, every neighborhood has its own group. I I, I just think that would be so important. But going back back to the January 6th Dog and Pony Show, it's not even a Dog and Pony Show. It's a very slick, well-produced for television documentary on how President Trump was responsible... For an insurrection to take over the country. That's what this is about. And if you believe that, from seeing this, I, 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 I think that the people who are producing this and putting this on and doing it, that's sedition. I think that's sedition. They're not letting the truth be told. Nancy Pelosi... Did not call. look at how many. Even in the, even in the documentary, which I, I watched a good a good a good amount of. When, when those cops were talking. And and they you, you show you saw the picture. How many cops were there? How many, how many, Secret Service or White House, security people? How many how many were there? None, five, a handful, six, eight, ten. They knew what was coming. When, when that female Secret Service agent talks about, is that what she was? I believe she was. Whatever. When she talks about being overrun and being, I mean, why? They did not set up a perimeter. They had a bicycle rack? What is she talking about? Is this any way to protect the Capitol when you know an overwhelming amount of people are coming and it's likely to get out of hand? Shouldn't they have kept people way out of the Capitol? How can they not? How could they not have had thousands, thousands of National Guard members and fencing? Who are the people that didn't take the precautions that were told to? Who are the people... That said, I, you know, forget about the intel. Forget about how many people are coming. Forget about how emotional they are about this election. Forget about all that. Just leave it like it is. How many people do we have online? Six, eight, ten? And what about Ashley Babbitt? What about Ashley Babbitt? Shot by some, some I don't know, a secret service or capital policeman named Byrd. Is there ever going to be a public trial about that? I've said this from the very beginning. If she would, if she was black, there'd be more protests than there were for George Floyd. If she was black, but she wasn't. She was just a white girl, a, a veteran, by the way, an Air 14-year veteran of the Air Force. And when you see the tapes that I've seen, it looks to me like she was trying to calm people down. She was trying to get people to take it easy and not. Do what, not damage things, and that's what I've seen. But we haven't seen enough, where I could say that's a fact. We haven't seen enough of the of the films of Ray Epps sitting there with his red hat, pushing people in, go in, go in, encouraging people, go in, get in there, destroy things. We haven't seen any of that. And where is he? Someplace in Arizona. Was he part of the FBI? From what I'm hearing, the FBI did as much to encourage what happened as, as anybody else. The Proud Boys, Antifa, any of the, the others. That's what I'm hearing. But I, I, if, if this hearing was a balanced hearing, where well, we would be hearing from both sides and we'd be really hearing. A hearing is where you listen, you hear, you listen to Everything. You hear. You don't just have people speak, speak over you, over each other and at each other. You have to hear what people have to say. That's why it's called a hearing. You have to listen to these people. Listen to what they're talking about. Listen and look at the evidence. Really look at the evidence. Really investigate every facet of what happened. So it never happens again. And there's going to be people found out. You know, when I talk about lying, and there's lies here. There are just blatant lies here. And a lie by omission, I think, is worse than a lie of omission. I, th- I, th- I think I've, I've told the story before. Being in that, in that room when we were organizing to, to save the cross on Mount Soledad. And Rick Roberts, the guy that was kind of running the thing at uh, KFMB in, the, in that big room. said so we can't talk about the cross because that's, that's going to be, it'll, it'll just incite them more if we say it's about the cross. And it was a room full of, you know, missionaries, deacons, pastors, and everything else. I knew most of them. And I, I just, I said, whoa, 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 you can't lie. We're talking about God. He said, we're not lying. We're just lying. We're just talking about, we don't want to mention the cross. And I said, a lie by omission is worse than a lie of commission, especially when you're talking to God. It's like, oh, you're going to fool God? You're talking about God. God's going to to say, oh, I'm not going to say it's about the cross when it's about the cross. What? Who is he fooling? Well, who are these people fooling? They put out the tape of President Trump and they only, they only aired the words that he said out of context. Not we're going to peacefully and calmly go down and protest. No. They made it sound as if he said we're going to attack it. They may as well have said that. They lied. They lied by omitting things. They omitted everything about why nobody was prepared. For what happened. Because they wanted this to happen. Where's the evidence? We could bring that evidence. The evidence is there. The facts are. It's been all over. If you watch. At least for those few people that watch Fox News. In comparison to all the other networks. Oh yeah. They said. Yeah. Well Fox News only had 3 million people watching. And this had 20 million. Yeah. You had every network. NBC, ABC and, and CBS. And. MSNBC and CNN and whoever else. Yeah, well, if they couldn't get then five, 10 times the amount of Fox... Oh, they didn't, did they? No. They only had 20 million, Fox had 3 million. Yeah, I, I mean, come on! People aren't seeing the truth of this, but the truth will out. The, the, the truth will will come out. And we're going to talk more about this. I was there, and... Uh, I I told the story and I'll tell it again at some other time. I want to talk about some other things. This SCOTUS issue, the fact that this guy came from California to kill Justice Kavanaugh. He came down to kill Justice Kavanaugh. What 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 inspired him? What motivated him to do that? You know, you you you're putting this whole trial together. The only person, by the way, who was killed. On January 6th was Ashley Babbitt. Shot, shot by Officer Byrd. Killed. For what? She wasn't armed? Nobody was armed. I don't think there was a knife. I know there wasn't a gun in the whole crowd. So she wasn't armed. But killed by Officer Officer Byrd. Okay? So here comes a guy all the way from California with weapons. And duct tape and everything to kill. And he said that's what he came here for. To kill Kavanaugh. That's what his goal was. Why? What motivated him to do that? Well, if you're going to say that Trump's speech, it's a joke. Trump's speech motivated people to evade. Oh, yeah. But the Proud Boys were there at like six in the morning. Oh, but they needed Trump's speech, right? Yeah, we didn't need that. I'm not one of the proud boys but they didn't need that but but Chuck Schumer when he said what he said about Kavanaugh and about the other guy and you're going to you're know, going to reap the world when you don't know what you're going to face you're going to we're going to get you we're going to huh and 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 how about how about these other people coming out you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg really you think Ruth Bader Ginsburg would have taken this kind of an attitude, you know. Everybody liked Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Everybody respected her. You don't have to agree with her. My God, I didn't agree with her half the time. She was a lady, classy lady, and, and and she would never have agreed with this kind of conduct. She wouldn't agree that you should be going and 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 trying to usurp the opinions of the Supreme Court by intimidating the judges? I, I it, In the first place, it's stupid. It's just stupid. You're not going to get a judge. The Supreme Court's justice, look, at each and every one of them should be, and I believe they are, the kind of people who are not going to be intimidated. If they were, they, they shouldn't have taken the job. So, you really think Ruth Ginsburg would have agree that it's a good idea (laughs) to take that kind of an attitude, a Chuck Schumer stupid comment attitude? That guy's an idiot. For just doing that, he's an idiot. There's a lot more reason I don't like Chuck Schumer. I have no respect for him whatsoever. But, you know, that's their leadership. But did he incite this guy to come across the country? Of course he did. Did he incite these people outside the homes of, of these Supreme Court justices, of course he did. Of course he did. He 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 said it like, you know. Listen, this is what we have to do. He may as well directed them. It 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 it's it's wrong. It's just wrong. And and Ruth getting to call it, what Ruths, whatever people. No, that's wrong too. That that really, dude, everybody, anybody who's a a Democrat, anybody who thinks that abortion is a choice, which it's not, it's either, I mean, it's pro life or pro an abortion, which is death. But anybody who wants to call themselves people who are fighting to keep this this um, uh, Roe v Wade intact should be mortified and furious that these people would do what they're doing in the name of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's just so wrong. And it's so wrong for you on that side to accept that. We're the voices of those people. All right, well, you know, I, I didn't think I had 60 minutes <laughs> worth of things to talk about. And hopefully the editing will bring it down to a a listenable, I don't know, 58 minutes. <laughs> but... I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be home. We're going to talk more about the ride. I got to talk about the ride. The ride, it's coming up. We're going to talk about that. Motorcycles, so, so cool. I love it. We're also going to talk about, it's its Pride Month. Yeah, it's Pride Month. What's going on with that? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I don't understand. You want me to push my sexuality on you, or you don't, right? You don't. So... Why do you push yours on me? Let's just agree I'm going my way, you're going yours. But no, you've got a whole month doing this stuff. So, okay, we're not going to talk about it today. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Definitely thanks for subscribing. And we'll be back in a few days. I'm New York Mike. And I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio Podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.